0: Hi, Hurricane fans. Joe Zygacki here for UPS. Your customers want more from your business. You've got to make more happen, whether they're in Miami or on the other side of the world. Globally or locally, UPS is building solutions to help businesses give their customers exactly what they want. More made easy. UPS, official logistics company of Miami Athletics.
1: This is, uh, this is a good one right here. Travis Robinson joining us on this edition of Behind the U. You can't see his face, but he's smiling. So uh, he's happy to be here, happy to be a cane. You can hear that laughter in the background. So, Coach, I thought we might start off like this. I'm a recruit. What's T-Rob going to say?
0: Well, hey, I know how it's been in the past here at Miami. You know, when I was out recruiting, you know, I had to talk about how the U used to be good. You used to have DBU. Um, but when the last time a first-round defensive back came from the U? It's going to change, and, and the way it's going to change is you kind of look at the track record of guys that I had. Four years at Florida, you look at cat, Bernie Hargraves, you look at um, Matt Elam, you look at Keanu Neal, you look at all those guys. And Auburn for one year, a guy from the state of Florida, from South Florida, from Miami, Northern, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean. Um, then I went to Florida, and then I went to South Carolina, and then South Carolina, you know, the thing that you got to realize that in this draft, you know, J.C. Horn would probably be a top 15 pick, Israel Mocamo will probably be a late first round or early second round. So the developmental piece is gonna speak for itself. And the thing that we need to do at the University of Miami is keep the guys that's here from this state and this area here at home. The thing that I would say to these guys is this, is to be honest with you, you come on campus, you know, going through this entire process, you, know, you really don't know what this campus is like. You think it's because it's close to home. You think you kind of know but until you come on campus and walk around and see the lake in the middle of the campus, the beautiful dorms, the beautiful facility that they just built, it's going to compare and compete with anybody in the country. We're going to do some big things here. And what we're doing with Coach Diaz and this defense and him kind of taking this thing, we're going to pressure, we're going to be aggressive, we get down, we're going to play some bump and run, and we're going to win on the top end routes. And that's kind of how I kind of spill it to them, I guess.
1: I want to know about Coral Park football circa 1998. What was it like? We had a couple of good players. And
0: uh, and Coach Montoya, he did a good job of cultivating that. What happened back in the day, we had a magnet program. And uh, we had a bunch of kids that was driving in from inner city and catching the trains, catching the bus to get on campus. So we had a good run of stuff like that going on. And that's kind of how we got connected. And we got really good and we got good quick. So where'd you grow up? I, I originally grew up in Kara City. I think y'all call it Miami Gardens and all that now. But it's still Carrot City for me. But I grew up in Kara City, went to Kara City Middle School. My brothers got into some trouble, and my mom moved me. Best thing she ever did in her life. Sometimes you got to relocate. And um, she moved me down south and, and finished up middle school at Ruben Dario. And then I was actually zoned to go to Core Park. A lot of my closest friends are still my buddies now. that's so excited about me coming back in town. They kind of live in the city for the most part. And those guys were busting the school and stuff like that. So that's kind of how it happened.
1: So if you don't mind, it's a podcast I, I like people to kind of take a little deeper dive on stuff. Why did she think it was in your best interest to relocate?
0: Well, my brothers, my, my brothers got in trouble again. They, they, they went to prison and um, my mom knew that it was the environment that I was in that probably caused them to get into the situation that they was getting into. And um, she made a decision right then to move me to a different area where I didn't really know people. Cause sometimes you know people too long, you try to be cool you know, you think that's the cool thing to do and then you end up doing something that's out of character. And um, so my mom, she kind of knew that going into it. So after my brother, they were young when they got in trouble. And so when they were young and that happened, you know, she uh, she initially just, we got in the car, to be honest with you, we didn't even have a place to stay. We got in the car, packed all our stuff, and went down and we found the apartment that way. And it was just kind of me and my mom then doing stuff. And uh, I tell you what, the rest is history. I've been taking care of my mom ever since. She lived with me at South Carolina. I purchased a house down there. I'm actually in the process right now. I just um, put in an offer for my house now, and then I'm looking for my mom one now here also. So I'm moving her back with me. But my mom is my ride or die, and she's a big-time U fan. Really good one here on signing day. It came down to Miami and Auburn for me, and um, I was playing receiver at the time. Well, we had some really talented dudes, if y'all can remember back then. Like who? Reggie Wayne was here. Santana was here. Andre Johnson and I are in the same class so I've been playing him four years in high school he was at Miami High I was at Coral Park you know Kevin Beard was at Plantation so it was a bunch of guys already here and I know it's only one football and I kind of was a little realistic back then I kind of knew Dre was a little little just a little bit better than me <laughs> it, it, it was just because he was a, bit, a little bigger than me so but no nah, nah, so I thought that my best interest was to go somewhere else and play so I really didn't give Miami a chance. And on signing there. I never forget it. My mom wanted me to go to Miami no matter what. And I remember her crying and saying, hey, I want you to go to Miami. But if you feel like you ain't going to play there, you don't feel like you're going to play immediately there, you probably need to do what you need to do. So it's kind of going to come full circle right now. So she was the happiest person in the world when I decided to come back to the University of Miami. Because, I mean, to be honest with you, I was going to go to Florida. I was going to go all that place. But Manny did such a great job just in the hiring process of, You know, showing me who he really was, talking to me about the staff and about the plans and the expectations and all the things. And at the end of the day, I want to win. I want to go to a place who's going to have a chance to win and win immediately, and that can use my help as far as developing the secondary the way that it needs to be developed. And I really fell in love with um, Van Dyke when I got down here. I wanted a younger guy, a guy that got the skill set that I see myself from back in the day, I see a lot of me in him. And I'm um, a guy who's going to work, guy who's who, who's very personable in the recruiting. And I'm just kind of explaining to him everything that we're doing. But he's doing an amazing job, man. In my three days here, he's been been right on top of it. So I'm excited to get a chance to work with him and the rest of this staff.
1: So what hit home with you from Manny? Like, what, what did he say? What did you share? What did you talk about that really hit home that you said, you know what? I'm in.
0: Number one, he did what he said he was going to do. When he said he was going to call back, he called back. And that, that means a lot to me. You know, you start talking about a good football player, you start talking about the details, right? Like coming in on time, doing all the stuff you say you're going to do, being accountable, responsible, all the stuff like that. Well, if the coach ain't doing it, you know what I mean, then how the player going to do it. And um, I think that's one of the things. He was attention to details and everything he did. And it just fit. You know, I just felt that vibe. I felt that he was a genuinely good person. In football, a lot of people don't realize it. They just see Saturday or they just see this. But – I mean, you spend a lot of time, more time than you do with your, your, your immediate family, with the staff, with the players, with all the things like that. And the people that you're around means a lot. You know, if you're going to spend 15, 16 hours a day with somebody, you want to at least like it. And um, so, you know, I, I just got a connection with him. His wife, Stephanie, she did a great job of communicating with my wife. And they, they went above and beyond. And they made me feel comfortable. So at the end of the day, it didn't come down to the money. You know, it didn't come out of that because we took less money to come. It that, that didn't come down to that. It was the feeling of, hey, this is a place that, number one, we can win, and number two, we can win with good people.
1: So have you thought about what it might be like to win here?
0: I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? And, yes, I have thought about it. And believe me, all my family are University of Miami, diehard fans, and, you know, that, that's all they talk about. And um, we can do it. Um, we got a quarterback. We got a trigger man. Um, We're recruiting the right way. I think right now what we're doing on the defensive staff, kind of tweaking some of the things that we're going to do, how much pressure we're going to utilize, you know, techniques, eye control, discipline, detail things that we need to do better in the secondary on all levels, to be honest. I think with Coach Simpson coming back into the program, just the different things that he provides from a knowledge standpoint of just being in the NFL system, seeing some different things, you know, some different, you know, it's, just, it's new. It's new blood in the room, and I, and I feel excited about it. Blake's been really good. And um, I'm excited about working with him as well. And we're going to get this thing turned around and and get this thing going in the right direction.
1: In the course, of those conversations, how much did you just kind of share defensive
0: philosophies? In this process right now, we talked a little footballers as far as schematically, you know, what he believed in, how he was going to, you know, get more involved in what we're doing on defense. Um, We talked in terms of some of the pressure stuff and just techniques. And he thought that we need to just go back to fundamentals and details and different things like that as you go through and assess the season. So we kind of went through all that kind of stuff. And I kind of, you know, the thing that, that that's really nice. We got a bunch of guys that, that been in different systems. And sometimes when you're in the same system. And again, I did this, you know, I've been with Coach Champ and our staff been around each other for a long time. And sometimes you get stuck in your ways on certain things. So it's always good to just have fresh ideas. And um, I'll be able to provide some of those. But. You know, Coach Diaz, he's a different style of play caller than I was when I was calling the plays. He's a little more aggressive and um, he's going to be aggressive and we want to pressure and we want to create negative plays. And that's kind of what we're going to hang our hat on here at, at the University of Miami. So I'm excited about it. It's some of the stuff that I had done before and I'm excited to learn. I feel like a, a baby. You know, I'm trying to learn. And like you said, I've been with Coach Muschamp and our system for 10 years consecutively. So just different things like formation. I know people that, you know, just watch the game sometimes. It's football, is football. Yeah, they got a ball, you catch it, you tackle. Well, it's a lot of terminologies. So that kind of stuff, you know, is is interesting to me. So I'm up at night studying, you know, just trying to be ready for the players to come back and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you're installing the defense that the guy's been in the system for four years, five years or whatever, right? So naturally they know the system, the verbiage, the terms, probably a little more than me. And, and so some of those things, right, they're just trying to catch up to speed on exactly that. And how I can I help them? Because that's what it's about. And the way you earn a replay respect is you're able to teach them things that's going to help their game. Like all these kids have the aspiration to go to the NFL, do some different things like that. And the way I can do that is by tweaking their game and giving them just some different type nuggets, but so they can be successful. So and that's kind of what I'm working on right now as I go through everything.
1: You know it's interesting you talk about having guys from different backgrounds in the room, Red Lashley, who obviously you, you you knew, you shared a staff with back at Auburn, but when he was on the podcast he mentioned when he was a younger OC, he may not like on this staff here he's got two guys have also been OCs, right? And when he was younger, he may not have welcomed that as much, right? Maybe not as secure as confident, but now, but now he welcomes it because of the idea flow, right? So I would imagine for you, your former DC, right? Um J- Jess is an NFL guy. Blake has been a D.C. Manny's a D.C. How, how, as someone who's an experienced college coach, c- can you kind of foresee what the, the defensive staff room will be like as you guys are either, whether it's spring, you know, whether it's fall, game prep, et cetera? We
0: can kind of start with Blake first. Like, I've sat in this chair before where you're the defensive coordinator with a defensive head coach. And um, that's a little different sometimes, you know, with the staff and just – how everybody respect you as this. You know, it, it's, it's a little different. It, it, it takes a little time. So I can relate with him on some of the stuff that he got to do sometimes. head coach, got to go to meetings. Do you start? Do you continue? Do you stop? Do you wait? You know, it's a lot of stuff that goes with that. And you got to have a good staff around you to help cultivate the relationships and the different things that's going on. So I'll be able to assist with that. I think with Coach Simpson, just the ideas that he'll bring. You know, he was around Coach Quinn, DQ, who was the head coach at Atlanta who hired him there. And then I worked with Dan when we were at Florida. You know what I mean? So some of the different pressures and the different things that they'll be able to kind of involve in the program, we'll we'll, we'll utilize those. But at the end of the day, we'll go in there and sometimes we'll agree to disagree and that's going to happen. But at the end of the day, if everybody on the same page, when we walk out of the room that it's not his idea, it was our idea, whether it was theirs or not. If they sell it to the players that way, then it'll work.
1: That's why you guys are locked up in that room all day. That's right. That's right. That's right. We fight it out. So Nobody can hear
0: you. That's right. Fight it out. <laughs> then when we come out of there, hey, this was our idea. And that's just how we're doing it. I think, you know, we'll be able to do that because we have good people. Again, it's all about people.
1: Talk to me. I uh, saw, so I watched the video. I think it was when you were at South Carolina and kind of asked about your DB philosophy. And you said, yeah. bump, press, man. That's kind of what I hang my hat on. Is that still what you hang your hat on and why is that what you hang your hat on? I guess the first thing I did when I got here before
0: I got into the recruiting part of it, trying to figure out exactly, I looked at the roster and then I kind of went through the call sheet from last season. How much man-to-man, how much zone, how much this, how much that, to see what kind of players we need. Like, are we a zone team or are we a man-to-man team? You know, you look at some of the stuff, 70% of the time somewhere in that realm, we was middle-to-field coverage you know, man-to-man outside doing different things like that. So that tells you got to be able to get those guys that got length and got all the ability to play the ball down the field, which we got tons and tons of guys like this in our backyard that we got to find. We got to get them to want to be here.
1: And um, and we'll definitely do that. Hey, by the way, sorry, everyone was tired of you taking them. All right? I just want to, you know, everyone was tired of you taking them. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right. That's right. That's right. Hey, listen, I, I, I got a good one for you. So when I was at other places that I coached at, most most of the times it was smaller cities, so like Gainesville, all that kind of stuff, right? So you'll tell a mom coming out of the recruiting process, you'll say, well, listen, you don't want to drop your kid off in no city. I mean, you don't want to drop them off into Miami. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, uh, they, they, they ain't going to know what to do. They've been kind of in your home. You've been kind of watching them the whole time. So you, you don't want to do that. So you can go right across the street. You got everything kind of in this damn cocoon, and you're kind of doing everything that way. But now you sell a little differently, right? Like you look at all the NFL teams. You wanna play an NFL son? Yes, I do. Um look at all the NFL teams. Um you got teams in Miami, you got teams in LA, you got teams in Vegas, you got teams in Chicago, Atlanta, so on and so forth. Most of the NFL teams are in major cities, right? So you gotta learn how to get up in the morning on time. You can't wake up at, you know, you got a meeting at six, you get up at 530, 45, roll out of your bed at 550, run across the street and make the meet. If you do that right there without preparation, you're going to be late. And when you're late in the NFL, you're going to get fined. you got to prepare yourself that way. It might be some traffic on your way. It might be a train stop you. It might be something like that. Well, you still have to be early. You're going to be required to be early. So you got to prepare yourself. So you say in college, for instance, you know, you go to college to prepare for life, right? So you come to the University of Miami and play football to prepare for what you want to do after you finish. You want to play in the NFL? Well, this is the team that's going to draft you. So if this team is going to draft you, how are you going to put yourself in a position that when you get there, you're comfortable and you're ready to rock? So just different nuggets, different ways of looking at it. And I think that that way is truly the best way, to be honest with you, because um, they, these kids here, man, they got a lot of distractions, but you got a lot of stuff to do as well. And sometimes you think of dropping your kid off in Miami. All people see is South Beach, right? They on South Beach. They dang all out all night. Then they're trying to go to class. That's highly likely to do. Well, they got schedules. They got checks and we we dorm checking. I mean, we own these guys all the time about everything, right? So they don't really have a bunch of free time. Like one would think to be out partying all night and hanging out at the, you know, that ain't going to happen. So you have to, you know, paint that picture for those families.
1: Let's go back to the, the bump press man. Why is that what you have kind of hung your hat on?
0: Yeah, I think um, it forced the quarterback to make back throws. I think it makes them check the deep balls down the field, which is, you know, just the percentages of completing those balls ain't very good. When you're playing with guys that got length and got ball skills down the field, I think they'll be able to play those. And then like for all the simulated pressures and the different things that we're doing, it disturbs timing. I think that's one of the things, you know, when you start talking about press, you know, sometimes you look at the rivals and all that when they're playing at these camps, kids trying to throw guys out of bounds. That don't really happen in football. I mean, that's kind of illegal to do that.
1: Some of the route running doesn't occur either. Like you can't make seven moves in a, in a game. Like that ain't going to happen either. Someone got to block
0: them guys. Yeah, somebody got to block those big guys.
1: You can't take both your, your palms and shove them right in the middle of the guy's chest off the line of scrimmage. So I've seen guys do that. And I'm like, that will never happen ever in any game you play from this point moving forward.
0: That, you're absolutely right. So, you know, I think the third time. And I think um, it gives the pressure time to get there. And um, I think, you know, we can recruit players that can play that technique I think and that's a ability thing and yeah the technique and all that kind of stuff is very important on how to do it because you can get a fast guy and play with bad technique a bad eyes, then you know bad things happen to him but you know we can get the talented type of fellow that's able to get up and get guys put his hands on guys and run with guys down the field here at the University of Miami and we will do that.
1: That How has offensive football changed I mean we know how it's changed you know RPO spread tempo but how have those changes forced you as a DB coach and a defensive coordinator to evolve?
0: The first thing I would say, especially if you're a middle field coverage team, which we are, is the different ways, the RPOs. Like normally when you got pass, you was dropping out of your zones. Well, it's a little different right now as you're a flat player in the defense and you get an RPO slant, you have to squeeze the slant. You can't play in the flat because you know you're going to lose your inside backers because of the run action. Different things like that, you know, that's unusual. So if you was to ask an older guy who played secondary back in the day, he never heard about squeezing a slant off number two when you was playing deep thirds. you know. But right now, you got to get your eyes inside. You got to see the mesh. You get mesh, you got to be thinking squeeze the slants because if you don't, that ball is going to be hit to that number two on the slant, and now it forces the safety to make a tough tackle out of the middle field with no help. So different things like that, I think the man-to-man helps, but obviously it's hard to play man-to-man all the time because now versus the run game stuff, you lose your eyes and you use the, the zone integrity that you need uh, in man-to-man things. So I know sometimes you're sitting at home you're like, all right, well, why are we not manning up everything? Well, if they're running the ball right, and you're pressing all over the place and you're playing man-to-man and the receiver's not having to block, you just running guys off. Well, that ain't a really a good look. Um, so just different things like that, having to be able to change it up, Um, I think when quarters came about, I think that kind of helps some of the different things you're doing with the quarter system of having everybody eyes when you're just playing eyes inside, getting there to play and all the different things. But, you know, I would think primarily from the zone perspective, I would think just squeezing the slants and different things like that. And then offense scoring a lot of points, man. If I had to do it all over again, man, I will go coach running backs or something like that, find me a really good one, teach him how to carry the ball. Hey, don't fumble it and let him do whatever he want to do. Give me some guys like Don and, and, and Brewster and cats like that.
1: Yeah, but you got to stop them, though, so that,
0: that's on you. I know it. I know it. I know it. So, But, no, it's going to be good. I think with offenses, you know, they're scoring points. They're moving fast. They're taking a lot of the coaching, you know, schematic stuff out of it. They're putting it more on the players, you know what I mean, to the to do different things like that, to check from the sideline. It, it puts a little more on the players, and I think the tempo is probably the game-changer. And um, I think that's what we're really good at here on offense. As I was kind of deciding what I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to look to what we were doing on offense, the tempo of it. But we're fast. We're on the ball. We're moving the ball. We're running in it enough uh, that we are getting rest on the sideline for the defense. But we're moving fast enough to cause issues on the defensive side of the ball. So I think it'll be good at practice. Um, I walked in Brett's meeting today and told him, asked him, is he ready to get back like it was at Auburn? when it was incompletion drills at practice all day long. <laughs> yeah. What'd he say? Oh, uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. You know, he, he was like playing with the truth. He knew it was the truth, so I, he couldn't really say too much.
1: It's funny, uh, Amon Richards, who who played at Miami, I guess you might have recruited him. He, I know, he, uh-huh. Yeah, he put on Twitter, he goes, I'll tell you one thing, T-Rob's competitive. He said you were talking junk to him on his recruiting visit.
0: You know, I, I, I'm a little different. Um, so I'm going I'm to have fun at practice. We're going to talk a little trash. We're going to... We won't go to it, but we're going to be disciplined in, in, in detail. And I think that's one thing. You can have a good time, but you got to be disciplined. Like, we ain't going to be no renegade football team doing crazy stuff, creating penalties and different things like that. That ain't what we want. But we do want to have a good time and want these guys to enjoy what they're doing. Because, you know, to be honest, man, there's some guys, most guys, this would be the best time of their lives, um, this opportunity right there. And sometimes when you're young, you don't realize that. You know, you're just out there just going through the motion, taking it day by day. You don't think that. Well, this is going to be the best time of some of these guys' lives. And uh, we want it to be fun.
1: Well, Ben, you better throw that in the recruiting picture. This is going to be the best time of your life. Where do you want to spend it? That's right. In the right, sticks, man. or you want to spend it in Miami? That's right, man. That's right. All right. So let's take this all the way back because I got to get into the T Rob that people don't know. Okay. You talked about renegade football and the celebrating and all that kind of stuff. You grew up in Miami at a time when everyone in the state, the big three, all of them had their time, right? Miami had their time. Florida had their time. Florida State had their time. So, I imagine, just because what you mentioned previous, were you a Miami? You said the family was. Were you a Miami guy growing up down here? I was. I was a Miami guy. So who was, like, your guy? Who were your guys? Who was your team? Like, when did you start following the ball? I think right when EJ was
0: there. So it was kind of during the recruiting time is when I kind of was doing it when EJ and Clinton Portis and those guys was playing running back right around that time. You know, Mike Rump, to be honest with you, he was here at corner and some of those guys. So I remember a bunch of those guys. Now, for you, was it always football? Yeah played baseball a little bit. Couldn't, could steal, could catch, but couldn't hit. So it wasn't going to go too far.
1: So Deion Sanders.
0: <laughs> I ain't saying that.
1: Uh, all right. So you got to tell me the story about meeting your wife in high school. There's some story about a Spanish class and wedding invites. Can we get the scoop on that?
0: No, man, it wasn't nothing like that. What it was. So she was a senior. I was a sophomore, you know, I was kind of the best player around there. So, you know, how it goes. I got you. And, uh, a sister came up to me and um, told me, she said, if you ask my, my sister to the prom, I think she'll say yes. All right. So I know they had been talking about me at home. That's kind of how it went. Had out. to be. Yeah. Had to be. So, so I was like, well, I didn't know she wanted me to go to the prom. Well, so I ended up actually going to the prom, went to the prom. Funny thing, I wasn't even 16 at the time, so I couldn't drive. She didn't have a car to drive. So my mom dropped me off at the prom. And when we got to the front, I got in the, um, I got in the front seat, so like I was driving. <laughs> if you ain't got it sometimes you got to pretend like you got it
1: it wasn't it from then right
0: yeah so no nah, so we was good so we we dated through um through college well she was in college I, I dated through when I got out of high school and then I went to Auburn and um uh, wasn't going too good for me you know I got I was a little far away from her so I got you we had a long conversation that we need to be friends and uh, we both agreed that was the right thing to do um so we did that for a little bit And um, we kind of lost connection, I guess, for a couple years here and there. And then I started playing for the Falcons. She was living in Atlanta, going to Georgia. She's highly intelligent. She got an engineering degree out of um, University of Florida. Then she got a master's from um, Georgia Tech in georgia state so she's industrial engineering so she's highly intelligent yeah
1: that's a kind of intelligence that's like a different level of yeah 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 she's sharp she's sharp that's not like two plus two equals four that's like all that's all next level yeah, stuff yeah
0: yeah she's sharp I, I knew i was gonna get someone that was a little smarter than me <laughs> yeah so but no she's um so we kind of got back together um once i started playing there and um we started connecting back together and then the rest is history man we got Couple boys together. My daughter lives actually in Birmingham with her mom. She's fourteen. My two boys with my wife, she's eight, they're eight and six. Oh, so maybe you should groom them to be a running back. No, man, he's they smart like their mom, man. I don't know how much football they're gonna be able to play. Maybe my baby boy, but I don't know about my my my,
1: my older one. That's all right. Let him let him build buildings, That's and, right? Man. You know, yeah. bridges and all kinds. Let them be the next Tesla. You'll be all right. Not nothing wrong with that. So you mentioned before Andre Johnson. So were you guys like buddies growing up? Yeah,
0: we were pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty cool. Andre, Andre and I are pretty cool. You know, we had our battles going through it Um, throughout the course of high school. Uh, we didn't keep in a bunch of contact, but you know, it's respect. Um, he's a Good dude, good player, unbelievable player. Excited to be back here, man. Frank Gore, all those guys. I, I still communicate with those guys. So it's a good deal that I'm back in town, man. And I get a chance to see him and kind of get them some life about their university and we're going to get it going. And uh, we're going to definitely do that, man. So I think that, you know, the more we win, the more them guys will be back around and kind of, you know, assist in different things that we need them to do and be around the program, help with recruit and all that kind of stuff. So it'd be good.
1: Well, Frank Gore still got a career going. Yeah, right, man. i tell you what. Can you believe that? I
0: mean, how about that, man? oldy godie out there playing ball.
1: Let's talk about getting to Auburn, right? You, you said it was Auburn in Miami. The way I understand it, Eddie Grand uh, is that old Miss, makes a phone call. He ends up at Auburn and sort of – How do you know all this, man? That's, 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 I prepare. I see that. So my question is, if you don't get the call from Eddie Grant, if that relationship never starts, at least on some recruiting level, do you end up in Miami?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I took some visits. I visited Nebraska, Florida State, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, um, and Auburn. Um, yeah, Coach Grant did a good job recruiting me. I knew I wasn't going to college to play in Mississippi. That I, I, I just didn't sit well with a guy from Miami. I was going to Mississippi to play football. My granddad didn't think that was a good idea. So he called me. It's like, hey, man, remember you said you didn't want to come to Mississippi? You know, I'm going to a new place. I'm going to Auburn. Well, Auburn wasn't as big back then like it is now, like from a name recognition, like down here in Miami. we, we didn't, I didn't know that was either. But I said, oh, hey, it's cool. I'll come down there and visit. So I flew into Atlanta, actually, and they had a GA come pick me up at the time. So we're driving, and I'm like, where are we going? And what, what's taking so long? He's like, well, we're going to Alabama. So I'm like, Alabama? I didn't know Auburn was in Alabama, to be honest with you. I said, well, Alabama. And um, I said, man, if I knew Alabama, (laughs) I knew it was in Alabama, I wouldn't, that's like Mississippi. I wouldn't get either. (laughs) But I went down there, man, had a good time. Coach Grant did a good job. um, And um, he still remains a close friend of mine to this day.
1: You said that as a player at Auburn, you already knew maybe the NFL, even though you played in the NFL, you didn't really see yourself as an NFL player and that you always wanted to be a coach. So the thing that uh, I'm kind of curious about is, most kids don't look at it that way. Most kids aren't that self-aware. All they think about is the NFL, and they're going to go to the league, and they're going to succeed, and sometimes to a detriment because they don't have a backup plan. Why were you so self-aware? How did you know? Well, I think that's
0: the problem with a lot of kids. They don't understand what they're good at, what they're not good at. And it's crazy, man, because some guys, you know, it's some good player-time coach that's in the NFL. I'll ask them, i say, are you a fast player or are you a quick player? Like, it's a difference. Like, are you fast down the field or are you quick? Are you a long player? Can you play with your hands? Like, what is your, your, your best attribute, pretty much? And some guys are unrealistic. Like, a slow guy would never say he's slow. But you are slow. Like, you know, it's not that you don't have confidence in yourself. You're just being a realist, right? You're, you're, you're not a very fast football player. But you still can win on the top the end because you know that. You know your deficiencies. So you can make your deficiencies become your strengths. And um, sometimes you have to work kids to think that way because they're so trained that they think that's negative talk. And sometimes it's not negative talk to say you're probably not an NFL player. It's facts. So when I first got to Auburn, I knew, number one, my first day on campus, that I wasn't as athletic as I thought I was because I saw many people that was more athletic than me. Right? So then how can I play? That was my first question. Well, I realized that a lot of those guys were willing to do the little things. They weren't willing to study. They weren't very smart to begin with. So I said, well, if I learn what to do, hell, surely coach will put me out there before he put a guy that don't know what to do out there. So I learned what to do, and I kind of made my mark learning what to do, starting as a freshman doing that and playing special teams. During that process, you know, my senior year, I was a little on the size for the position I was playing at the time, which I converted over to secondary guys. So I was playing corners and safety. I was a little on the size for that position. Um, my speed was a little deficient. I knew that, all right? But I knew I was a good football player, and if I just got an opportunity, I'd make a team. Um, thought I'd get drafted, but I didn't get drafted end up going as a free agent, made the team as a free agent, and um, end up sticking for a couple of years. But at that time, I still knew that I wasn't going to make a career in football unless I got lucky. I wasn't as talented as Andre. I wasn't as talented as Ed Reed. I, I, I know that. What I had to do is have a plan, and I don't call it a backup plan. I call have two plans. You can do – you ain't got anything to do. You, you can have two good plans. You don't have to have a backup plan per se. So I had two good plans, and um, I knew I wanted to be coach. And when I got out of football, I went back, and Coach Graham was still at Auburn. And I said, "You, I asked you, can, can I be a GA? And you told me yes. Um, is that still an opportunity for me. And um, it's amazing how stuff worked during that time. That's when Coach Muschamp was the defensive coordinator at Auburn the first time, and that's how I met Will. Um, I just came out of the NFL, went back, needed a couple hours to get my degree, and uh, me and him connected in, in the right way, and, and I worked hard. And like I tell my GA, and that was kind of when I first got here, um, I got a young GA now. And then one of the things I tell them about, man, just, you know, it's all about your first impression means a lot. My granddaddy saw would say, same people, you meet up, meet up, meet going up, you and me coming down. That's something that will always stick with me. Like, you know, if I was a butthole when I was at school, I was a guy who was missing class, not doing the right stuff. Well, number one, they wouldn't give me an opportunity to be a GA. All right? they, nobody wanted to turd around the program. All right? That's just, that's just, that's just how it is. Well... Then, if, you know, I would have never met Coach Muschamp, I would have never worked at Florida, I would have never been a defensive coordinator at South Carolina, and then, in fact, I would never be here because that was a part of me being here because of that stuff that happened before. So just doing things the right way, I think that's kind of very important.
1: So you mentioned something in there that I I think is a big thing, and I think it's football, life, business, whatever. You said you use the word trust. And sometimes fans look from the outside, why is Cincinnati playing? How come he's not playing? Oh, he's the he's more heralded. He's more talented. I always say, you really think, A1, they don't want to play the guy, right? They just don't want to play him. And two, if it was your job on the line, who are you playing? If you're the coach, you're playing the guy that you know will do what is expected. How how important is... Obviously, talent's important. I mean, come on. we we're, we be kidding ourselves. We don't think you got to win with talented players. But at the end of the day, the work, the preparation, the details, so that what you, Coach Robinson, knows when you put those four or five DBs out on the field, you trust that they, they might get beat, but they won't be beat because they don't know what to do. That's right. Practice. You know, and that's
0: that's very important. Like practice. You know, some guys, I'm a gamer. Well, I don't really know what that means. Right? You're a football player or not. When we get out there and you got on a helmet, shoulder pads, all right. And all your stuff. Like, how are you playing the game? Don't don't tell me about a practice player versus a game. You're a gamer. Uh, that that don't work. So I'm going to play the guys that I trust. And you know, we're going to play the guys here that we trust. Guys that's going to go out and do what she's coaching to do and, and to the best of their abilities. And yeah, they're going to make some mistakes. There's no perfect football player. no perfect banker. There's no perfect bus driver. There's no perfect McDonald's. There's no perfect anything. So you're going to make some mistakes and and that's going to happen. But like I always tell the guys, a DB that's never been beaten is a DB that's never played. But a DB that's consistently beaten is a DB that won't play. It's a big difference. I like that. Yeah, don't be out there consistently getting beat. We're going to put you on the sideline you come sit next to me.
1: So a big thing that happened in the last week or two as kind of you got in here was a lot of guys on this team announced that they're coming back for another year. And I know one of the issues with this program, and I've been around this thing for 20 plus years, is that guys have left early. Uh, the roster has not been sort of uniform, right? And, and it's caused problems and that just trickles down. Now you can start layering the roster, right? Guys are sort of where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be. Really, it's probably more so more important that for the younger guys that are where they're supposed to be. They can grow sort of naturally into their production. The reason why I set all that up is based on the conversation we just had about you being very self-aware, trying to ensure that other guys are self-aware, do you think for as long as you're here that you can give good guidance because you went through that and you sort of manage your own mindset. I definitely do. I use
0: myself as examples all the time. You know, with these guys, man, it's it's the relationship that you build with them. And if they trust you, like they, they wanna play good. They wanna have discipline. They, they wanna do all those stuff. Like you probably get in a 85 man roster, you might get five or six guys that just refuse to do right. Call them can't get right guys. Right, but for the most part, you got guys, I mean, they're young, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to do the, the little stuff. Right, you got to correct, them. you got to be detailed, you got to stay on them about it, but they want the discipline. And I think that speaks values of the program that Coach Diaz and the rest of these guys around here, you know, mm-hmm. as put at the University of Miami, that they want to come back, that they want to be a part of it. And, and I think the reason that they did that is because they got a little small taste of winning. And I think, you know, they got, they got a good quarterback coming back, a couple of them, to be honest. And it does something to you. It you a little more motivation. They want to win. Like, they want to make the city of Miami proud. You know, and, and I, I think, and all of you fans across the world, they want to make them proud. And I think that we have the chance to do that. And that was one of the big attractions to me. Like, I feel what they feel. Like, I want to win. It's going to take some things because winning is hard. Winning is not easy. You just can't wake up and say, shit. I want to win. No, that don't happen that way. You have to work. You got to sacrifice. You know, it was something that, you know, Coach Simpson and I was talking about. We came up with this thing. Continue the stuff that you do good. Start doing stuff to help your game. And then stop doing the stuff that that affects your game. Like that right there, man, continue or start in stop. What are you going to continue to do? What are you going to start doing? And what are you going to stop doing to be successful? And I think that that kind of hits is on the head. Hi, Hurricane fans. Joe Zagacki here for UPS. Your customers want more from your business. You've got to make more happen, whether they're in Miami or on the other side of the world, globally or locally. UPS is building solutions to help businesses give their customers exactly what they want. More
1: made easy. UPS, official logistics company of Miami Athletics. So here's what I wanted to ask you, Coach. You mentioned before, you go back to Auburn. Eddie Grant connects you with Mill Muschamp. You kind of made a, a good first impression, as you just talked about. Like, Will gave you a lot of responsibilities. So then it gets time to be hired, and Gene Chizik does not hire you. So at that moment, do you get it, or are you disappointed?
0: No, I get it. I'm not ready for that kind of job. I, I kind of grew up a little different. You know, I, I, I tease Van Dyke. I mean, his first job was the University of Miami. That ain't coming from the trenches right there, my man. You, you start off in the, in the upper room. Well, you know, my first job was at West Kentucky. I learned how to coach a guy that's not as talented and playing against guys way more talented than he can ever think to be. Right. So he got to learn how to play with technique to have a chance. All right. Then I was able to go to Southern Miss. All right. Then I was able to go to Texas Tech. Then I was able to go to Florida. And I said, well, whoa, if I can teach those guys that I coach at those places the, the same technique here at the University of Florida when I had talented dudes. You know what, I have a chance to be pretty good. And I think that was the progression of my coaching. It was I developed as a coach. And I think that helps. And I think like I tease him all the time, he he get a chance to skip those kind of developments and be with me and kind of I'm gonna take him through those as we go through the season, we go through the spring. Like, hey man, I tried that before. It sound good, that don't work. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean, you know, when you when you're young, you get you got all these fancy ideas because he was a very good player, right? And he so he it's like, yeah, I used to do this right here. Well, you were a little longer, you was a little more talented, you might be a little faster, and that worked for you. That probably ain't gonna work for the average Joe Blood walking the street. You know, it like be like so there's different things like that, but you know, I think that, that the naturation of, of me, of coaching, the levels of coaching that I was able to kind of go through, I think, when I was ready for a big-time job like this one, uh, whatever, SEC,
1: ACC job, I was ready to do it. All right. So this is the part that I've always loved to hear. How'd you get to Western Kentucky? Who was the hookup? What was the connection? Because without that, there may not be any of this, right? So there's got to be a start. And I always love to know how people got their break.
0: Coach Muschamp, at the time, um, defensive coordinator, which I talked about. He called a guy that he had worked with at EKU, whose name is Walter Wells. And as a matter of fact, Walter Wells now is the head coach at EKU. So he called me. He was the um, offensive line coach at Western Kentucky at the time. He called him. um, hey, I got a guy. Heard I got a defensive back job open. Uh, I got this guy, I think, that's going to do great. And I went there and I interviewed with David Elson and um, the rest of history, man. I got the job he offered to me on the spot. It was just a constant movement from there. So for... I was at West Kentucky for a year. I was at Southern Miss the next year. I was at Texas Tech the next year. And then I was at Florida. I mean, it kind of just boom, 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 boom. Kind of was all in line. So it was an interesting way of doing it. And um, I I appreciate how it
1: happened. I mean, I know you crossed paths with Rhett for the year at Auburn and now you'll be together. So I don't know if you would ever had time to have this conversation, but you know, Rhett branched out on his own too, right? He left Gus to go to UConn, to go to SMU. And part of that on this podcast, again, he's like, I had to find my offense. I define to find my way. Now, he did it on the back end. You kind of did some of it on the front end. But the importance of finding your way. Oh, definitely.
0: Definitely. Because there's some different things that, that you would
1: do. And sometimes, you
0: know, you, you don't get a chance to do those because you, you're a soldier. And when you're a soldier and you're a good soldier, you're going to do what, what the boss man say do. And you're going to have some ideas and some thoughts. And if you don't like them, then you don't like them. And we ain't going to do them. And you ain't going to talk about them anymore. So when you get a chance to kind of do some different things on your own and get on your own, you're able to kind of express yourself a little bit, try a little more things. You know, it's it's good. It's good and bad. I mean, it's it's no knock to either way, I don't think.
1: Was Rhett someone you talked to when you were thinking about coming here? I, I
0: talked to him, I believe, once. I knew a bunch of the support staff. I knew George. I, I, I knew Cooney. I knew a bunch of those guys that I was able to talk to those guys about the things that was important to me. And to be honest with you, I... It ain't. I'm not worried about what time you come in, what time you get off, because I'm gonna come in before, I'm gonna be five thirty, six o'clock every morning. I'm gonna leave late at night every night, and that's just how I do my business. So I'm not really worried about you know that kind of stuff. It, it's for me. It was about do we want to win? Like that, That's what I needed. All the other stuff, like, cause it, it, you can just want to play, and you can want to win. And um, there's some things that you got to do to win. You got to be detailed in what you do. You got to be organizing what you do. That's the place that I wanted to be. The place that I wanted to win. I felt that right now at the University of Miami, that, that Coach Diaz and, and the rest of the staff here, that was the come and go. We had a staff meeting, our first staff meeting today since I've been here, and that was kind of one of the things he talked about. Man, we want to win. We need to win, and we're going to win. And this is how we're going to win. You know, so not just saying it we gotta be more demanding on the players. We gotta be, whatever the case may be, we gotta be more, you know, have more of a approach in recruiting. We gotta do more, whatever the case may be, we need to do it. And uh, But win is something that I heard in our first half meeting uh, over 50 times, you know, so that's what it's about.
1: Let's talk about Will Muschamp for just one second. You said 10 years, 10 consecutive, 11 consecutive years with him. What kind of influence? I mean, how has that man shaped your life? Oh, man, man he's been
0: tremendous to my family. My my kids call him Uncle Will, me, Carol, his wife. I mean, we have a great relationship. I talk to him still almost every day via text or some kind of communication. You know, he sent me a joke or uh, whatever the case may be. But I know he's going to miss me. I'm going to miss him too. Um, we ain't too, you know, we're not very sensitive, both of us. So so we'll probably never say that to each other. But we kind of know he's out there.
1: I'll pass it along. No, no,
0: no, no, no. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. He'll call me soft. You he heard me say that. All right. But no, man, he, he's been great for me, man. Um you know, we've been great for each other. And um, I really appreciate him. Um, I wouldn't be in this situation if I hadn't came to his path. And um, he took me, with like, one of his own and kind of mentored and helped me. And he allowed me to be myself as well. You know, I'm not Will Muschamp. I'm Traverse Robinson, you know. So I didn't have to try to be him every day or, you know, that we don't have the same personalities in some different places, you know. But we share the same philosophy. We share the same – Mental approach mental
1: makeup one thing that i that, that will mention and and you just elaborated to it is right you're not the same person, but you have the same philosophy and, and you, we mentioned trust about players, but there's got to be trust on the staff right so he trusts you, you trust him you probably see why John Packy's there, why Blake Baker's still here as part of the staff even if he's not calling the plays because it's okay to have your guys around you it's how you guys stay connected
0: no no, that's right, man you got to have guys that trust you and got your back and um, you got to keep some people around you that way I get it. You know, some people get upset and, that, and that's just part of it. You know, as a head coach, as a defensive coordinator, you got to make decisions that you got to live with and that's just gotta, how it got to be. But, you know, we got great staff here and that's the thing. And it's built with great people and great coaches with a great scheme. I think we are going to be able to tighten up on some of the detailed things um, that we need to tighten up on and um, we'll get that done. But, you know, it's issues everywhere. You know, it really is. So we got to minimize the issues and and clean up what we need to clean up and and get this thing going in the right direction. And I'm 100% with Blake, I'm 100% with Pac-Man, 100% with Coach Simpson, and I'm 100% with um, Coach Diaz on getting that done together.
1: All right, man, so one of the ways to get that done is you get good guys on your team. You get dudes, right? You get some elite studs. You get some guys that can play ball. And when people mention T-Rob, they mention recruiting. So you're known as an elite recruiter. Do you like, I know you, you would like being known as that. But I guess the reason why I asked the question is, does he think it ever minimizes? He, I am a coach.
0: Yeah, I'm confident in my skin that that doesn't really matter to me. You know, I know who I am as a person. I know what I do. I know the relationship that I build. And the one thing is crazy, man. You, you know, you're talking to some of the guys during the recruiting process. They meet some of the coaches. They tell you about all the guys they coach, right? And I always tell the recruit, well, ask them when the last time they talked to them. That means more to me. Like, hey, hey, do the guys still like you? Like, do we still communicate? Do they we, do we treat you like family? Yeah, you coached him for three, four years. He was a talented player. Maybe he was a first rounder, whatever the case may be. When the last time you talked to him? Like, that's important. And not just the NFL guys. What about the guys that didn't go to the NFL? Do you still talk to them or do you only talk to the guys that you can use in your recruiting spills and get recruiting speeches? Right. Because that's important. Because I've been on the plane before to go see a kid that played in Canada. Right. Because he wanted me to come. And I always told him if he made it, I would come watch him play and he made it in Canada, and I flew to Canada and watched him play football in Canada. Different things like that, man, relationships is everything to me. That's no recruiting talk. That's no podcast talk. That's real talk. It means everything to me, just the relationship that I build over the course of my life, and I want to be around and surrounded around good people, and I think sometimes in this profession, you know, you take that for granted, man, because it means a lot, you know, to be around good people, and I think you know our staff is a great group of guys and i'm excited to work with them and coach muschamp you know i don't know if you knew this but blake actually worked with coach muschamp when they were at texas you know he, he i knew was, that he was a ga for him so so yeah yeah so it, it's good yeah man, i know you got your notes man i don't know who i'm talking
1: to now probably- i didn't play football but i, I did my homework <laughs> that's right man that's right but look there's no good college football team there's no good recruiters there's no good college football team if you don't get good guys on your team so We're bringing ideas to the table, right? T-Rob, he's bringing ideas to the defensive staff room. He's going to bring ideas to the recruiting room. Miami obviously wants to get better players on their team. Who doesn't? From your perspective, how can you help influence, not what you're going to do on the road, but in terms of approach?
0: We got to get these South Florida kids on campus because they think they know, but they don't know. Especially during this time, right, with the COVID and not having guys on campus is a little different. So we have to do more and be more creative in different things that we're doing as far as, you know, having junior day via Zoom. Like we can do it exactly like they're here on campus and do it exactly like that. And yeah, it takes a little more time. It takes a little more work. But if it wasn't for the players, you know, we wouldn't have a job. And that's kind of the message and the way that I live as far as in the college game. You know, if it wasn't for the players, we wouldn't have a job. So we got to do our best job to make sure they see what they need to see, get what they need to get. And then at the end of the day, you know, to be honest with you, you want to recruit better, you win. sounds crazy, right? Because you need to recruit before you can win. All right. But the kids want to come around winners. us. You know, I hate to say it, but it's a jump on the bandwagon. It's a, that's just how it is with the millennials. They don't want to go and do kind of my approach was I want to go to a place that wasn't very good and make it good. Right. But these guys want to go to a place that's good and keep it good. Big difference. Uh, so, win.
1: They want to be like DVD, man. That's they want to be like DVD. That's right,
0: man. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right. You, you make sure you mess
0: with him. That's right. You know, he ain't got to tell you what, man. But, yeah, that's what it got to be. So, so we need to win. And um, as we win, you know, we'll attract more people. You know, it's like the girl, right? You, you got a Bentley, you know, and you got a dang putt-putt. You know, you, you get the Bentley, you're you, you going to have more girls walk by your car and stop. All uh, right, you got the put-put. It's probably not gonna work too well for you, man, unless you're good-looking. And you and I are both not that, so we'll be in trouble. All. <laughs> all
1: right, last thing. You relate to the kids from Miami. How much will that help you help this team, this program?
0: Oh yeah, it, it, it'll help a lot because I'm not just I'm not fantasizing. I'm I'm telling you exactly what happened. Why I didn't come to Miami. Like I'm gonna tell the kid that they're gonna hear that story. Why? Why? Because I would ask I would ask that question while I was sitting at home. Because you from here, why you ain't come here? Well, if it's true, which it will be true at the time, I wasn't probably as talented as you. you know, I was recruited to come to Miami, but I didn't think I was a Miami player at that time. Like, do you think you're a Miami player? Because if you don't, then you don't need to come to Miami either. You need to go somewhere else, right? Because we're going to continue to recruit this way, and we're going to continue to recruit talented dudes, right? So if you don't think you can come in and play and compete and start, then I don't want you to come anyway. If you do, then Andre Johnson didn't hesitate to come to Miami because he knew he was going to be the best, right? So that was never a question in his mind where he was going to play. That he knew he was going to play. course, question was how much he was going to play and where he was going to get the ball when he played. So I think those are the things right there for those guys feel a little different. So I can talk from a different perspective. And then I can talk in terms of, you know, being able to be closer to your family because I did that. I was 10 hours away from home, went to a game, come out of the stadium, Everybody parents is around hugging their neck and my mom's not. You know what? It costs a lot of money to get to Auburn, Alabama, uh to even game. You something you to get to Florida, you, you gotta spend a night there. You gotta you gotta get a hotel. Um, uh, you you gotta get breakfast, you gotta probably rent a car, you gotta do some different things like that. Well, a lot of people don't have a lot of a thousand bucks hanging around. It's a little difference when they can come see you play seven, eight times right there across the street, get back home uh, and, and, and be watching the TV show later that night big difference i wish i would have gave my mom that opportunity my mom never missed a game her entire life throughout little league throughout high school throughout anything but when i was in college i mean she came to two games and she was one a year i mean that's all she can do one a year so she came to four total games and and that's about all she can do because i mean just she couldn't afford to do that so that part of it right there what you don't understand yes it's your decision but you want your family feel good about it too Sometimes the kid take it a little too far. That like, is my decision and this and that. No, well, it is, but this is the first decision you ever made in your life. And it's probably the most important decision that you will ever make in your life besides marrying your wife. So you don't want any help with that. You don't want the people around you to feel good about that. Like, so just different things like that, I can speak from that perspective because it's true. So it's not recruiting talk, it's the truth. And um, so those kind of ways, I think I'll be able to help. And obviously, I can get around. I know people that they know. Some of the parents, now I'm getting a little older, that some of the parents now, you know, I know their parents. Like, I went to school with their parents. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, I didn't realize I was that old because my kids are, you know, are eight, and six. You know what I mean? But my daughter's 14. She's in high school now. And, and I mean, we got guys that, that I played with that I know that we're recruiting. So it, it's a little different, and I'm excited about it. And, um, you know, when I say the word Cold Park, they don't think I can ball. So I need a couple guys to vouch for me and kind of, you know, but I tell them you got
1: Google. All you got to do is Google. That's it's all there. That's the it. good and the bad. That's right. The good and the bad. All right. Last thing. Everyone knows you as T-Rob. Who still calls you Travaris? Who still calls me Travaris? Um, absolutely no one. Absolutely no one. All right. Yeah, absolutely no one. And if
0: they do, you know, I wanted to name my son Travaris. Um, but people mess my name. They call me Tavaris. They call me Tabarius. I don't got them all. So I just called him Travis. So Tyson and Travis, all right? Because I, I, yeah, I didn't want I did want people to be messing the name up. But not many people call me Travers. Most people call me T or whatever.
1: All right, buddy. Well, this is fun. You're good. You got me, got me all fired up for stuff. So I'm sure the people that'll be listening to this will be excited. I know they're excited when you were hired. Now they can hear exactly who you are and what you're about and. Hopefully good things are become a lot of wins, right? We just hope for winning. We're going for dub dubs. We're going for dubs. That's all we're going for, man. All right, T Rob, thanks for taking us behind you, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate everybody.